Welcome to the Diversity Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jonathan Ember. We hope that you would just take a moment and listen and receive the Word of God. We know that one word from the Lord can change your life. And so we hope that this message will bless you and transform you in Jesus' name. We are starting a new series today called Prophetic University. All right, in this series, we're going to go a little bit deeper. In my family, over the holidays, we got a little bit of a sign for when we go deeper. We're going deep, deep, deep. We're going deep. Can we do it with, can you do it with me? Come on, we're family here. We're going deep. Now, you got to put the hand out. Come on, we're going deep. Anna's doing it right now online. We're going deep, deep, deep. We're going deep. Not everybody's doing it. Y'all ain't ready for the message, all right? We're going deeper, all right? And the reason why we're going deeper is not necessarily deeper than what we were just talking about, the Beatitudes. It's just something that the church just doesn't scratch the surface on anymore. We just don't teach about these things anymore. We're just a little too uh, concerned about popularity. We're just a little too concerned about things that we can touch and feel. So the things of the Spirit, The things that are gifts of the Spirit, we just really just don't talk as much about them anymore. Although, if you look in the Scripture, there is spiritual things happening and popping off from the very beginning to the end of time. And so I want us to talk about the gifts of the Spirit and specifically the gift of prophecy in this series. And the reason why I called it Prophetic University is because we're going to actually be looking at this group that is referred to in the Scripture many times as the Company of the Prophets or what is also called the sons of prophets. And if you look at this in the scripture, and we're going to actually go to our first portion of scripture talking about this today, this means like a school of the prophets, a training facility for people to prophesy, which means to speak on behalf of God. It's not as, as much as uh, foretelling as much as it is forthtelling. Just speaking uh, what God has put on somebody's heart. And so we're going to actually do that uh, today by the first message in this series. I've entitled it Admissions. If we're talking about prophetic university, how do we get into this thing? How do we begin to talk? Am I even allowed to prophesy? Who's allowed to do this thing? Now, I'll never forget when I applied to Ball State University as a senior in high school. This was the college of my choice. At this time in my life, I had a dream to be a movie producer in Hollywood. Come on, there's no business like show business. How many of you guys know God had a different plan? There's no business like his business, right? But this was the dream of mine. And so Ball State has an incredible program uh, for technology and specifically broadcast. And so I was wanting to go there. And so I applied to this school. And then one day I finally got the letter back in the mail. I was so excited to open this thing. Can't wait to fulfill my dreams to be a movie producer in Hollywood. I opened it up and I was devastated. I was not admitted into Ball State University. Of course, like I said, God had better plans, bigger plans, but at this time, I just felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like that, that denial made me feel like I wasn't smart enough, that uh, they didn't want me. And I have to let you guys know this. When it comes to the spiritual gifts, people have the same sentiment. They think that they're not good enough. They think that God doesn't want them to prophesy and speak on his behalf. They don't think that they have the pedigree. They don't think that they're smart enough. All sorts of things like that. And I want you guys to know that is not how God's spirit works. That is not how he works. And we're going to find that out today with this main portion of scripture from 1 Samuel. We're going to read 1 Samuel 19 uh, verses 19 through 23. A wild 
portion of scripture, but a one that I believe that y'all are going to really be blessed by. Here we go. First Samuel 19. Let's read verses 19 through 23. And it was told Saul, he's the king at the time. Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Now, the reason why Saul was looking for David is he wanted to kill him. Remember, Saul is the king at the time. David had been anointed to be the next king. Saul didn't like David. Saul was jealous and envious of David. And so Saul was trying to look for him. David is running away from him because he's concerned for his life. But Saul is running after him. All right, verse 20. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets, that is that group of prophets. This is where we get prophetic university from. This is the school of the prophets. When they saw it, these dudes from Saul, Saul, the company of the prophets prophesying, And Samuel standing as head over them. He was like the dean of the school. This was a main prophet of the Old Testament, Samuel. The spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul. And they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers. And they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again the third time and they also prophesy. All right, so Saul is trying to go and kill David, sends messengers. They come to this atmosphere where these prophets are prophesying, and they all, sets of three of them, all begin to prophesy, meaning speak on behalf of God. They had this moment of being filled with the Spirit and speaking on his behalf. Then verse 22, then he himself, Saul himself, went to Ramah, came to the great well that is Seku, and he asked, where are Samuel and David. He's still trying to capture David. After all of this, seeing that all of his men come and are filled with the Spirit, he's still going. And one said, behold, they're at Naoth and Ramah. And he went there to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, look what he does. He, what? Prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And then the next portion of Scripture says he does it all night long. He's laid out before God, before this school of the prophets. He's laid out and all night long, he's filled with the spirit speaking prophecies. And most scholars believe that he's just prophetically declaring that David's going to be the next king. See, sometimes God is going to speak and you like what he says. Other times he's going to speak even through you and you don't like what he says. But it's the truth nonetheless, because you're speaking on behalf of God. Special portion of scripture. And from this portion of scriptures, we're talking about a mission into the school of the prophets, prophetic university. From this portion of scripture, you three, you see three groups admitted to prophesy. Three groups. All right, let's talk about the first group. Let's talk about the prophets for a moment. This is who, if you even believe in the gifts of the spirit, you don't think that they've ceased with the apostles, which there is no biblical precedent for that. I'm just letting you all know. There's no biblical precedence for that. But if you do believe it, you think, okay, prophesying, speaking on behalf of God, that's just for the prophets. Well, it is for the prophets. We'll get to the other groups here in a moment. In 1 Samuel 19, 20, there's this school of the prophets. You see them. Then Saul sent these messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, then Sam, and Samuel, Samuel standing as head over them, you see these prophets are speaking on behalf of God. I want to say this as we're laying the foundation of prophecy specifically in the church and clearly, obviously, in the Old Testament as well. Uh, There is a difference between a prophet and someone who prophesies. All right, you just need to understand this. 
There's a difference between somebody who is labeled and designated as a prophet and somebody who just prophesies. A prophet, let's just get this designation right, is someone, whether it was the Old Testament or New Testament, is someone who has a position of authority. Somebody who is authorized in particular settings and to particular people to speak on God's behalf. In this portion of scripture, you see the school of prophets. You see Samuel leading these group, this group of prophets. It was as if he had ordained them to, again, be ministers of God, to speak on God's behalf. They had a designation. They were ordained. They were put into order, and there was this order and accountability that came with that as Samuel was leading this group of prophets. These guys were real deal prophets. Now, we don't know many of their names. Um, you see Samuel. You very clearly see Samuel in the scripture. Nathan is another prophet that you see later on in the same time period. Uh, but there's this group, and they're ordained by Samuel in this school of the prophets to prophesy. Now, some of y'all might not have known this, but in the New Testament, there are prophets ordained as well. There's prophets ordained even in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter four, we see the scripture laid out very clearly. Let's let scripture teach us. Let's let scripture be clear on what scripture is clear about. Let's actually let it be where we get our doctrine from. All right, so I was reading from the Old Testament. You say, that's Old Testament. Well, let's read New Testament, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave. Who gave these gifts? Who gave these gifts? These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Now, can I tell you, it never says he took them away. Never once. It never says he took them away. It says he gave. Can I tell you, God is not a God who, who reneges. Come on, somebody, right? He's not a God who renegotiates. His, you know, what he says is true, what he gives, he's not going to take back. How many of you guys know that your Christmas presents, when you gave that to your kids, some of y'all might take it like for a moment because they're in trouble. That'd be a really shady thing if you took their present that you gave them and you took it back and took it back to the store. Come on, somebody, right? God's a God who gives good gifts. All right. The Bible says if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more than will our heavenly father give good gifts and specifically the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's what the scripture says, right? So you see, Christ gives these gifts to the church, never takes them back. And here are the gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. Notice it said prophets, though. Evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So you see here, even in the New Testament, there are people who are ordained even as prophets, people that are to speak on revelation and speak on behalf of God, to forth tell what God has put in their heart. Now, we'll speak on the prophetic gifts and the series and differentiate those gifts and where do we get forth telling from and uh, what are some of those gifts, but let's just clearly define prophecy as speaking, forth telling what God has put on your heart to tell others. And people that are ordained as prophets, Old Testament and New Testament, they're ordained to speak to a particular group of people in a particular time. And I think it's very important for us to understand this. Now, listen, you can't designate yourself as a prophet. This isn't something you give yourself. This is not something that you can just go online 
and find an ordination paper for, and now all of a sudden, I'm Prophet Billy Wonders. That's not how it works. There's accountability. There's structure. There's an education of sorts. If you see this Old Testament or New Testament, there is, um, you, you see this school of the prophets with Samuel being the leader. He's having these guys learning the things of God, right? He's the one who's picking these people. He's the one who's ordaining the, these people. There's order. There's structure. There's a governing structure in this. There's vetting of, the, of these people. There's education. There's accountability. All of this. So I don't like it when people just say, okay, I'm a prophet, and they just speak, and they just got some type of business card printed at Staples, and they give everybody their business card saying, I'm a prophet. All right, matter of fact, most prophets that I've ever seen or met, they're not the ones telling everybody they're a prophet, right? They're kind of like, Jesus, I'm just the son of man, right? I'm just like y'all. But they have this, this gifting and this anointing and this, this ordination, if you will, to speak again on God's behalf. You see this again throughout the New Testament. Let me just give you some guys' names that you might not have ever heard that are actually prophets in the New Testament. One of these guys or two of them you have heard, but in Acts 13, 1 through 3, we're just laying the foundation for the series. Who's admitted to prophesy? Prophets, of course. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Wait, there's prophets in the New Testament? Yeah. Look, right here in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, one of those guys you've heard, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and then Saul, who was also Paul. This is not the Saul we were reading about earlier, okay? This is Paul in the New Testament. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Notice the Holy Spirit is saying something. And these guys who are prophets are speaking this, hearing this from God on what to do next in the church. How many of you guys know we need some of that wisdom in our church today? We need direction like this in our church today. We need people that are hearing from God like this in our church today, telling people what the Lord says, not contradicting with the written word. That is the word of God. No prophecy should ever contradict that. Again, God doesn't, you know, go back and forth on his promises. Come on, somebody. What he has said then is clear now. And so anything that anybody says needs to confirm what has already been said. All right. But we need that today. So then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. These are prophets in the New Testament. So I've met a uh, few prophets in my lifetime, people that are just ordained for this type of ministry. And one of the guys I met was shortly after I got saved. His name's Jeff and just a powerful man of God who has spoken into my life so many times. And he just spoke words to me, words of encouragement, words of exhortation, words of comfort, words of confirmation that where I feel like the Lord has led me, this guy has spoken into my life and just confirmed things over and over and over again. Like this one time I was in Bible college and I was praying in my prayer closet. I had a time of prayer and I was just saying to God, um, just putting my plans before him, asking God, what do you have for my life? And as God is my witness, in my spirit came up amber waves of grain. It's a weird, you know, statement to have in my mind. Like, what is this all about, God? I had no clue what it meant. Sometimes God will speak to you, and you don't know what that word is, but you just know it was from him. And so you kind of put it on the shelf and kind of let it marinate and just ask him about it, right? Dude, that next week, as God is my witness, I get a card in the mail from this guy named Jeff, who's what I believe is a prophet in the church today. He's even ordained that within his fellowship. I get a card in the mail 
that says, um, greetings, Jonathan, God's amber waves of grain. Don't you think that's crazy? Like, what? Like, how did he know this? Like, I was in my prayer closet, kind of like when Jesus meets, I think, Nathan in the New Testament, and he, he saw him praying, you know, where he was under that tree. And, and Jesus tells Nathan, like, hey, I saw you praying just a little bit ago under that tree. I had that moment with this guy named Jeff. It's like, you saw me in my prayer closet. You heard, like, you heard what I heard, but you're a thousand miles away, Right? And it was confirmation at the time Indiana had the, on its license plate, Amber Waves of Grain. I looked it up and I realized this is a part of my calling. What God was wanting me to do from Indiana and beyond was share his word, plant his word. The harvest is ripe. Come on, somebody and spread that around the world. And when Jeff shared that with me, it was confirmation of what the Lord had already been putting in my heart. How many of you guys know prophets are important? Come on, somebody. All right. That's one group that is admitted to prophesy. You see that in the story, but let's look at another group, diverse others. Diverse others. 1 Samuel 19, 21, you see Saul sends these other group of men, others of, of these men, these henchmen, if you will, actually. They're, they're coming to try to get David and bring David back to Saul, to really kill Saul, and, or kill David. And so when it was told Saul, the scripture says, he sent other messengers and they also prophesied. These three other groups that come in this scene where the Holy Spirit was clearly manifest, where these guys were worshiping and praying, where these guys were prophesying and speaking on God's behalf, these other groups who aren't prophets, these guys aren't prophets, they're henchmen. They're just Saul's men. They're just working for the king. And they come where the Holy Spirit is, and they all get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all begin to prophesy. Now, I think this is such a great representation of the church. This is such a great representation of the church. You don't have to be ordained a prophet to prophesy. You don't have to be ordained a prophet. You don't have to have that title. You don't have to have all of that. You just need to belong to the king. And at your workplace... In your home, when you're out and about and you see somebody, how many guys know people need to hear from God today and you might be his mouthpiece? You work for the king at your job, not your boss. Come on, somebody. You are there to represent the kingdom. You are there to speak on his behalf. And can I tell you, just like these others came and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they prophesied, I want you to know God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit and he wants you to speak on his behalf. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, earnestly desire prophecy. Let it be something. Not to be a prophet. Only God gives that gift. He can only ordain you as a prophet through whatever organization that he desires. But you can still prophesy. You can still speak on his behalf. You can still be filled with an unction to be able to, to convey his word. You're allowed into prophetic university if you want to be. Come on. He ain't sending you a denial letter. If you're a Christian, you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you are admitted to come and be filled with the Holy Spirit and be used by God to do some of the greatest works. Come on, somebody. To speak on his behalf to people however he wants you to. It's amazing. It's amazing. You see this even on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 17. 
Peter, the apostle, one of the chief apostles of the church, he actually quotes the prophet Joel. And this is what Joel had said uh, about the last days. And Peter actually says, this is what's happening right now. What you're seeing when these guys are and these gals are filled with Holy Spirit, he says this. This is what Joel prophesied. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Who's admitted to prophesy? All flesh, baby. Let's go. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters. What shall prophesy? Shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Every time I read that, I thought I was young because I saw visions a lot. Now I'm only dreaming dreams and I'm realizing I'm getting older. But isn't this fascinating that he says that in these latter days, It's not going to just be the school of prophets. It's not just going to be Samuel. It's not just going to be Elijah. It's not going to be just Elisha. It's not going to be just Joel. It's not going to be all of these prophets of old Moses. No, God is going to pour out a spirit on whosoever will. And your young men and your young women are going to prophesy. Hey, y'all, listen, we live in a wild world where we can communicate on all sorts of platforms. Our kids are on all sorts of platforms. How many guys would want them to speak on God's behalf and only hear what God wants them to hear while they're on all these platforms? Come on, we need to get our houses, we need to get our homes filled with the Holy Spirit. We need more God, we need more of him in our lives, and we need to speak on his behalf and know what his word says and know what his spirit says unto the church today. And so you see that this is God's desire. All flesh, all, all types of others, diverse others, not just the prophets, but people to really be divinely inspired and to be able to speak on God's behalf to people in groups and, and situations. I'll, I'll never forget this one time, as long as I live. I, I've been blessed and privileged to see God move in incredible ways to the point where I can't deny God because of what I've seen and heard. Holy moments. You know, we're talking about holy ground earlier. I mean, I've been in moments where I've seen and felt things that are supernatural. There's just no other way to explain it. And I'll never forget this one time I'm in the Amazon. We're traveling from tribe to tribe on the Amazon River. And we get to this place and the electricity was kind of spotty, of course, but we're having church service and it's out in this public square. And we get to the end and we're calling people to Jesus. And this little girl who's about eight years old, she comes forward. And me and the team begin to lay hands on this little girl. And the moment we begin to pray for her, the lights go out. It was wild. And it was as if that was the moment that she just felt like was a sign from the Lord. She just begins to bubble up and speak in tongues and prophesy with this loud voice and with this authority at eight years old. It was holy. It was special. The moment she begins to prophesy, the lights come back on. People start to fall down. Other people are coming forward. And we just had revival right here in this open square along the Amazon River. Come on, somebody. In the last days, God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Come on, give him glory. Give him praise. 
I'll never forget that. It marked her life. She'll never forget that. It marked everybody was, that was there. It was a holy, holy moment. You see this even in the New Testament amongst other people that are not prophets, that are not even apostles. Um, you see that Philip, the evangelist, who was ordained even as an evangelist. And by the way, all of those things that are gifts that the scripture says are gifts that Jesus gave to his church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. All of those things, we can do the work of those people even if we don't have the title of those people. Paul even says this to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So you don't have to be an evangelist to evangelize. You don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. You don't have to be a pastor to pastor and shepherd people. You don't have to be an apostle to be sent. Come on, somebody. So Philip is this evangelist. He has four daughters. In Acts 21.9, By the way, Acts 21 has all sorts of prophecy in there. It's a fascinating portion of scripture. But it starts off like this in the beginning. He, Philip, had four unmarried daughters. Okay, who's admitted to prophesy? Who's admitted to speak on behalf of God? Diverse others, all flesh. Look at this. He has four unmarried. I thought they had to be under authority. Well, they do. God's. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Come on, I thought the women in the house would give me a glorious amen on that one. Come on. You know, when Paul says women, they're to keep silent in the church. uh, He, just a couple chapters before that, was talking about the authority of women and whose authority they were under. And he said, when they prophesy, let their head be covered. And what that means is that they're, again, under somebody's authority, specifically God's. So if they were to keep silent in the church, why are they prophesying? Maybe there's some other context there. All right. Women, men, young, old, daughters, sons are admitted in the New Testament. Come on, somebody to prophesy. They'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, too. Come on. Don't just leave it to the men. Oh, how we've done injustice to women all throughout church history. Thinking that men are some somehow greater. No, we are equal. There is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free. We are all equal in Christ. Thank you for those two claps. Women, men, young, old. In this New Testament thing called Christianity, you are admitted to prophesy. To speak on God's behalf. To be filled with the Spirit. To be used by Him in any way, shape, or form that He wants you to be used. Here's the third then group that is admitted to prophesy. The immoral. (laughs) The immoral. You're like, wait, hold up, pastor. Let me read. 1 Samuel 19, 23. And he went there to Naoth of Ramah. This is talking about Saul, who's wanting to kill David. And the Spirit of God came upon him also. I've seen a lot of men who are dirty men have the Spirit of God come on them also. Spirit of God came on him also, and he went and he prophesied until he came to Naoth the Ramah. And remember, he prophesies all night long. This wasn't the first time that Saul prophesied. But if you look at the context of his life at this point, the same chapter in 1 Samuel 19, he is throwing a spear at David when David is playing the harp, just trying to comfort him from the, the demonic spirits that Saul had allowed into his life. 
David is just playing the harp and just kind of bring worship into his house. And Saul throws a spear at David to kill David. This is the context. Same chapter, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to prophesy. Who's admitted to prophesy in the New Testament? Anyone and everyone. Yes, even the immoral. Now, this this is wild. Nothing differentiates the spiritual gifts from the fruit and the Holy Spirit's gifts. Nothing, Nothing differentiates that better than this right here. So clearly, Saul doesn't have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, (laughs) joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. He got mad and just throws a spear. All right? I I live with a dad like this. This dude had all sorts of spiritual experiences, but he did not have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He had a lot of gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's wild. You'd hear about these stories of him doing all these wild things. And then he would just fly off the handle and do crazy things. So again, there's a difference between God's spiritual gifts and God's fruit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can have the gifts of the Holy Spirit without the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and you could have the fruit also without the gifts. We see this through Saul. See it through other men, the, the, the New Testament, even Old Testament. You even see that in the Corinthian church. So the Corinthian church is where we get so much of the doctrine of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. And this church was foul. We, we've talked about it before. Uh, this church, one of the guys in this church is sleeping with his stepmom. Right? And Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saying, listen... You guys are allowing sexual immorality that even the pagans, the heathen, don't even allow. But this church is seeing movement of God. They're seeing the gifts of the Spirit. They're seeing all sorts of powerful manifestations. So much so that Paul had to write in 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and 14. All those four chapters dedicated to to how to actually um, operate in the spiritual gifts. All right? So if... You had to be completely moral and clean and upright to be able to prophesy. Then clearly Saul wouldn't have been able to prophesy. And clearly the Corinthian church wouldn't have been able to prophesy. All right. Am I saying that to excuse their immorality? Absolutely not. I just wanted you guys to know and be encouraged that if they were immoral and God poured out a spirit on them. Even in your immorality, even if you don't think you deserve it, even if you think you got to earn it, let me just tell you something. This is a gift of God. And just like your salvation that you couldn't earn and you didn't deserve, God says, for whosoever will believe, he will pour out a spirit in these last days and you can prophesy too. Come on, somebody. I need y'all to be with me today. That's an encouragement. Because like me, when I was not admitted into Ball State, we think we have to have this pedigree. We think we got to go see the guru. We think it's this special holy man of God. No, it's the whosoever will. Do you want more of God? Do you want God to move in your life? Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Do you want your house to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to speak on His behalf? Do you want to operate like the prophets of old? Do you want to do something special in the earth today? Just come. Come in your immorality. 
Come without the titles or the pedigree. Come and watch what God will do in your life. I've seen a move in my life in times where I didn't have it all together. I still don't. Yet I'm up here week in and week out still doing what God's called me to do. I don't know where you're at today with God. I don't know how you came into this place today. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what immorality you still got in your life. All I want you to know is this, that God wants to move in your life. He wants to pour out a spirit in your life. He wants to, to be, be in your life in such a way where you're being used by him to do exactly what he's called and ordained you to do. In the last series, we talked about really the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Beatitudes, which really are just markers of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I'm glad that we talked about that because we need that in the church. But we also need the gifts of the Holy Spirit too. And as Diversity Church, I want us to have both. I want us to be a church that's marked by the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Would you just take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes and ask God, what is he speaking to you today?